Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Attack of the B-Movies podcast. I am your host, Johnny, and I am here with... Uh, James, your co-host. James, my co-host, exactly. I like having the co-host introduce himself. I think it adds a little bit of, you know, I don't know, something. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's nice having a co-host two times in a, in a row. Um, we're recording with, or we're, we're using a different piece of software, so it should sound better, too. Uh, so today's film we're going to talk about is a 1980s classic that I swear to God, I thought that song from Flashdance was tied into, but I can't find it anywhere on the internet. Uh, it's a 1980 movie, 1980 film, Maniac. Maniac, the story is by Joe Spinell. It stars Joe Spinell and its screenplay is written by him and co-written by C.A. Rosenberg. Um, it's directed by William Lustig and, um, yeah. Yeah, Lustig. I've seen the first two Maniac Cop movies from him, and I've seen Vigilante, which is an action movie. So eh, I'm somewhat familiar with his work. Now, wasn't Maniac Cop, uh, wasn't Bruce Campbell in those? Yeah, he was okay. in the first and second one. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Uh, God, I love Bruce Campbell. I wish, the guy, I wish the guy hit like age 45 and just stayed there forever. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see him like uh, act forever. I think he's fantastic. And he's a cool guy. I've met him before. He insulted me. It was awesome. <laughs> it was like his thing, you know? Yeah. So a little bit about the movie before we really get into it. So one thing when I was watching it that I, re- I, it didn't take long to realize I, the actor that plays the main character, Joe Spinell plays a character named Frank Zito. Joe Spinell was in another movie that I've done on here that I actually really like uh, star crash. And his co-star from that, Carolyn Monroe, is also in this. So I thought that was a neat little oh, yeah. tie there. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you want to start this one off, or you want me to start it off? Or I mean, starting off, I remember the beach scene. Right? He's looking through that viewfinder. I, I couldn't quite find the name of that thing. But remember when you would you would go to the beach up on the... Uh, I guess it was like a balcony above the sand and you could look through the... Yeah, it's like a telescope. Yeah, yeah. See, I, he looks, he's looking through that, which I thought there was a neat shot, like how they film that. He's like, oh, you're kind of seeing it from his point of view, which, you know, in the movie, they take into account his, his point of view. Mm-hmm. There's a few other scenes that they do, but I like how they started that, that out because you can see everything and you can see through the viewfinder. And I always like it in movies when they utilize that kind of whether it's through binoculars or a viewfinder i thought i find that kind of neat yeah, so the, through, the kind of right? first person uh, feel to it yeah yeah and so he's looking through there's this couple there on the beach they're laying down right and he's trying to scoping out he's scoping out who's there basically and what i remember is there's the lady and she's talking to the to the guy and the guy leaves and then Frank Zito shows up, and she thinks it's the the boyfriend. I, I think this. It doesn't, I don't remember who the uh, what that character is credited as. But anyway, yeah. So remember the the boyfriend is k- killed, like, or something, or is well, the girl was killed? Something like that. This was a dream sequence, though, if I remember correctly, because oh, he wakes really? up. He wakes up after oh, yeah. we see this part. So yeah, he kills he kills both of them. I want to say yeah. And uh, he wakes up, and he gets dressed, and he um, 
heads to Times Square, which at the time of this movie, Times Square, like now everyone's like, oh, it's Times Square. It's mm-hmm. so cool. Back then, most in New York, like if you watch movies filmed in like, uh, like the Warriors, where they're showing like run down, beat up New York, back in the early 80s, a giant, giant chunks of New York were really like that. Mm-hmm. And Times Square in the 19, early 1980s, it wasn't all about, you know, fancy stuff and all that. He, uh, and down here, when he's in Times Square, he runs into a, a prostitute who asks him into a hotel. I think that's the next scene. Yeah. If basically. I remember correctly. She invites him in and she kisses him and he uh, strangles her. Kills yeah, her. Yeah, I didn't know what he was going to do exactly because it's like, okay, is he going to do something to her? Because, you know, they do make out, right? I thought they were going to kind of continue with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, the way looking back on it, it is kind of a build up to what happens and because he asks her, you know, if she had done any modeling. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of into that, right? And I thought, you know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen from there kind of thing. So it kind of played with my um, with my thoughts and how I perceive what was going on. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And um, so not only does he kill her, he scalps her and steals her clothes. Mm-hmm. And then he, um, we see him in his, his apartment again. And he dresses a mannequin with her clothing and he uh, attaches a scalp to the mannequin's head. Yeah. And I believe he says something to the effect, I think it's beauty is a crime punishable by death, he says. Now he's... Yeah. It, which this movie, you know, in retrospect is really, I can't say it's a mix of these two because one was out prior and one was out after, but it's really almost a mix of like falling down in a sense. Cause as we find out like later on, it's this all ties back to his mom, which I'll, I'll talk about near the end after we talk more about the movie and, um, and like taxi driver. Like it's a very, oh, yeah. it's a very yeah, and- dark bleak and you don't know, you know, like, you're like, why the hell is this guy doing this? And it, I mean, it's not like just that he murders them, but to scalp them, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And even there's another movie called Driller Killer from '79, which also takes place in New York. And even that <laughs> seemed like a lot of them did back then. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. He, um, the next murder, he. Uh, this one's more of an homage to. Um, Oh, what movie was it? Not homage to. I'm sorry. So this time he takes a shot, a double barreled shotgun with him, mm. and he, well, he takes other weapons too. But the the double barrel shotgun is the important one. And he's driving around Brooklyn, and he's driving around Queens. And um, yeah, honestly, I thought the cinematography in this was pretty good. Yeah. To be, to be fair, like this yeah. is a shoe. This is almost a shoestring as you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like the budget for this was three hundred fifty thousand dollars. And oh, yeah. they made the most of it. Mm-hmm. So he's driving around Brooklyn and he locates another couple. Now I don't get what it was like initially with the couples, right? Cause I know he has mom issues, but like he dreamt about killing a couple and it's never, I don't think they ever really explain like why he didn't like just dream about killing like a woman. And then like, right. Like, I don't know. You know, it, so he's, hmm? it might be because he wants to get both of them. So that way he doesn't leave like, you know, the boyfriend alive. Oh, yeah, right? it could be. Yeah. Because the boyfriend might like go and tell the police or something. Yeah, but he could have just found the woman by herself. Yeah. Especially in this scene, because he's driving around looking. Mm-hmm. 
so he uh, he finds a couple. They're exiting a um, a dance club. Sorry, let me let me use the seventies and eighties and go a disco. <laughs> yeah. Let's be fair. He so the boyfriend comes out. So they come out and the woman sees him staring at them. So the boyfriend goes and starts the car, mm-hmm. and Frank uh, walks over and kills them in the car. Like he shoots mm-hmm. them through the car, like through the windows. Yeah. Which was kind of like, um, I don't, I hate to say paying homage to, because it's paying homage to a serial killer, but there was a, a killer um, in, God, it was in New York too. David Berkowitz is what it says here. Yes. That's who I'm thinking of. Uh, Son of Sam. Okay. Yeah. And that's how he, that's how he did it. So this movie probably takes a decent amount of ideas from things that were happening at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't quite alive yet. I was three, so I don't remember much about it the time period. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, so he kills them. And he does the same thing. He he takes he takes uh, he scalps her, right? Yeah, yeah. He I scal mean, he scalps her, takes her clothes. Same thing. Leaves the guy, and we see him with the mannequins again. He does the same thing, and he's watching TV, surrounded by these man these mannequins. Turns out there's more than just two, right. and. Uh, he's watching TV and they show about the crime on, on the TV and he starts like babbling and talking to the mannequins and just, he's like babbling and crying and falls asleep. So, I mean, this guy seriously is disturbed. Yeah. And, uh, honestly, I thought, I thought Spinell did a a fine acting job playing him too. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like I liked the scene. I mean, the scenes where he's talking to himself, right? Well, he's in a sense interacting with the mannequins I like those because you can cut, you know, to me, it felt like I was peering into his mind and seeing kind of what was going on mentally with him and, and emotionally with him. Right. I mean, we don't necessarily get all the answers, but we get enough to kind of to go with and give us an idea of, yeah, this guy, he has a history of mental, mental instability and he's, he doesn't necessarily want to, uh, lash out because of it, but at the same time, he can't control it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um throughout the movie, we start finding out that he uh his mother was a prostitute and used to abuse the hell out of him like yeah. badly, and that's where the um it comes from. But yeah, he he doesn't he. You're right. It seems like he he knows what he's doing is wrong, and he's he doesn't want to do it, but he can't control himself to do it. And it's interesting you were talking about how it, you, we get this insight into him when he's talking to the mannequins because that kind of struck a chord with me where it reminded me of, um, oh, God, Christian Bale's in it. He's a murderer. Uh, but he does, like, like you hear his inner monologue all the time discussing what mm-hmm. he's going to do and stuff. Um, not American History, American Psycho. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a similar concept to that where you hear like that you get the inner monologue in certain parts. And in this case, he's letting the inner monologue come out, but it's very much that same feel to it where uh, I, I was like, okay, now's when we get to see what this guy's about. Uh, I think the next scene is when he finally meets Caroline, Mon- Caroline Monroe, who to me was one of the most attractive B movie actresses like of all time. Oh, and yeah. she was a Bond girl too. And everyone makes a big deal about that, but it's like, listen, she was in Bond for like 30 minutes 
and I and know, but she made a ton of movies. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've seen much with her, but um, yeah, okay. I, I'm, I've seen Don't Don't Open Till Christmas. You had a role in that. Apparently. Yeah, she did, and she was uh, in. Like I said, she was in Star Crash. She's had a, she had a good body of work, and um, she was very. She seems like she's very cool. I think she's still alive. And I've read interviews with her, and she seemed really cool and down to earth. And oh. yeah, it, she she was cool. And um, yeah. so finally, she's in the picture. She's a photographer, and um, Frank finds her in Central Park. You know, it never says what this guy does for a living, does it? Like we never see like. Uh, not really. No. I was just saying about them. Like, what the hell does this guy do for a living? Like, he's like never working. How does he afford somewhere to live? Uh, well, I guess if he's killing women, he's stealing their money, I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so he's in Central Park. He runs into her. She takes a photo of him and there's a girl riding a little girl riding a bike in the distance. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad he didn't do anything to the little girl. Yeah, I mean, I... Because I really I think, thought there was a reason that photograph had, that, like, that was taken that way. Yeah, I didn't know what he was going to do. He just, I remember he stopped her bike and he told her to be careful. Yeah. But it was just like, it was, it was kind of intense there for the minute. like, uh, is he harming little girls now? You know, I mean, what, yeah. Right. Oh yeah. I was like, I'm like, please don't. No, no, no. I was soft spot for my kids drive me nuts, but I hate like, and you'd see it now all the time too. In movies, they like deliberately will throw a kid in like the world's going to shit. There's like an apocalypse and there's just like a kid crying for its parent. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it does what they want it to, but it's cheap to me. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, and at least this wasn't this wasn't quite like that. But it was eh, if he had like killed her, I to me it would have been that way. Like, okay, now you're just trying to tug those heartstrings on people, mm-hmm. and really, like, like we hate this guy already, and know he's a horrible person. <laughs> you don't need to have him do this. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, he he doesn't do anything to Carolyn Monroe. He doesn't do anything to the girl, and he um, the next shots at night. Well, the next scene after they meet, he meets her or he runs into her. Actually, he doesn't really meet her. I believe he's just following Carolyn Monroe's character around. Right, because they do talk and get to know each other a little later on. But yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, he's really. Um, she's like, hey, were you in Star Crash? She's like, yeah, I was. No. Um, so <laughs> later on at night, because now he finds a nurse leaving Roosevelt Hospital. And he starts stalking her in the subway station, and he murders her. And what a choice of weapon! He kills her with a bayonet. Oh yeah. Who? Who? First off, who has a bayonet laying around? I mean, like get, my dad. I don't know too people. <laughs> was your dad in the military at least? Or no, is I think he, he bought it because he wanted to have one. He, I, I don't think he has. I don't know if he has the weapon to, that he he. he you may have the gun that he can attach it to. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, it, was, it, it, was, it was just, I'm like, did, I'm like, did he just kill her with a bayonet? Holy shit, he did. Yeah. So he kills her. Um, and same thing, adds, adds her to the mannequin collection. Now, that it, that, that's, the, that's the creepy part of, that's the real creepy part of this movie, is, that, is him talking to the mannequins and him adding yeah. more and more women to the collection. That, that's some Silence of the Lambs kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't quite understand what the deal with the mannequins was, but I wanted to, it, it kept me interested at the same time. Even though it was creepy, it's. 
I guess that's what they were going for, right? Like he yeah. could have just had the bodies in there, but then they would have rotted and people yeah. smell it, right? Yeah. So there's clearly a level of intelligence and thought this guy puts into these things. Um, I guess maybe it's to make it seem like he's not really just mindless. Well, he is mindless. Well, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. But it definitely is something creepy. I think it flashes forward a while, a couple, a few days or so. And he uh, he's stalking the photographer, Anna. Again, he ends up, he ends up at her apartment. And she invites him in because she recognizes him from that photo, which mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, the guy gave off a creepy aura in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, come on in. I don't know what New York really was like in the 80s, but holy shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, she he comes in, they talk. Uh, she He asks her out to dinner. And he... Um, he shows her a, mom, a picture. Eventually, he shows her a photo of his mom who died in a car crash. Uh, I think it was a year, yeah, a year or two, something like that, a few years prior to the movie happening. And I'm guessing that the, her dying in the car crash is what set him on this path to some extent. Like her beating the hell out of him is where right, the resentment came from. Right, because he has that shrine of her, and then that, that you see early in the movie. Oh, that's right. Right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of creepy in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, they go to dinner. Yeah, they're talking about that. Um, Anna invites him to um, a photo shoot at a studio. And it's funny because this Anna's the only one he hasn't, he's met twice now and hasn't killed. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I didn't know where that was going because he, he, they do get to know each other. They go out on a date. Yeah. Right. It's like, is he going to do something to her or... And you're waiting for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you're expecting it anytime they're alone. You're expecting it to like, just like... (laughs) But yeah, nothing. Um, But at this this photography session, she introduces him to a model named, I think, Rita. That's a friend of hers. It's funny because for some reason, he steals her necklace and he takes off. I don't know why he stole the necklace. Mm Mm-hmm. But then he shows up at Rita's apartment to give her the necklace back. Now it gets re- like like if the other killings weren't bizarre enough, this one's really off the deep end because he attacks her and he ties her to the bed, and then he starts ta- starts calling her mother. Right, and he he's like, "If I can't kill you, I'll keep you," or something like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's really weird because now you now he's projecting his mom onto her. Mm-hmm. And all that hatred and anger and everything and mixed feelings and emotions about his mom's coming out stabs away with a switchblade this time mm-hmm. and scalps her too. And that had to be probably the most gruesome. That might've been the most gruesome scene in the movie actually. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, because like the shotgun one, it's like, all right, it's a shotgun and then he scalps her. Right, right. But this one, this one, what I think makes it much more impactful too is that it's not just him mindlessly killing a woman. It's you get this insight into everything else. Mm-hmm. This is almost like this is it's this scene and the scene you mentioned where he's talking to the mannequins or how he talks to the mannequins. Those scenes in this one are the probably the only times we get any real feel for what is going on inside his head. Mm-hmm. Because when he talks to, to Anna, Carolyn Monroe's character, he's relatively normal. Mm-hmm. He, he's not, he doesn't seem unstable or anything or not massively at least. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he stabs her with a switchblade and then scalps her. And then he goes on um, another date with Anna, which you'd think at some point Anna would be like, hey, do you know what happened to Rita? Or hey, have you heard from Rita right. lately? Because right, that's one of her models. I don't know if she said if she asks him or not. I don't think she did. I don't. I don't think so either. And if she did, it probably was just such an offline that I didn't think about it at the time until now. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, hey, let's go out on another date. And she's like, all right. And he's like, hey, mind if we stop by this creepy cemetery to visit my mom's grave? Oh yeah, that was. I liked how that was shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, another another. Another shot where the cinematography was actually really good, I thought. And, you know, I get torn between multiple worlds of movie making because I have friends that like, that are like, oh, Scorsese can do no wrong. And I'm like, yeah, he can. Look at his IMDb page. He can. Or, you know, B-movies suck. It's like, "Mm, no, they, they don't. The plots are usually better than those other ones because they're unique. So saying that the cinematography is really good in this is really, it's subjective, but I actually really think it is. Like, I don't think anything was wrong with the way the movie, the cinematography was. I I don't think the directing was bad either. No, I mean, Lustig's, I mean, he's been, he's has experience making making these kinds of movies. So I, I feel like he's, he's improved as he, you know, kept making them. Right. But yeah, I think this is, this is, I know this movie in particular is one that has a big draw for slasher fans. And I think, you know, part of that is the direction that, uh, and, and the, the way it deals with the main character. Yeah. I think that's a a very good point. And I think that, that goes along with what we've been saying about some of the scenes. Like there are moments where it's just basically a slasher film. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, moments where you're like, wow, this is a, there's something else going on here. And I wish they had had the budget and maybe more time to flesh stuff out a little better because mm-hmm. um, it w- I think it could have been a really, really good movie. Oh, I was right. Michael Cimbello wrote the song Maniac. He originally written the song as a horror theme after watching a slasher film, possibly 1980s Maniac. Oh, interesting. (laughs) So he didn't really write it for the movie, but he was inspired by it. Oh, okay. Well, inspired by a slasher film. He never admitted which one, but timing-wise, it lines up. Hilariously, it ends up being used for Flashdance. (laughs) (laughs) um so so he goes on another date there at the cemetery which like we both said is a really well shot scene actually and uh they put down some flowers on the mom's headstone and he for some reason i don't know why he decides to attack anna at that moment which leads to a nice kind of uh i almost want to say stereotypical cemetery chase scene right like we've seen these scenes in horror movies before yeah but it was well done it was well shot and everything It, it, it fit and she's trying to escape, and um, it, it's funny because apparently in cemeteries they just leave shovels everywhere because she finds a shovel, oh. <laughs> and she hits him with the shovel, hitting him in the arm, and is able to escape. And I'm watching that, and that's the only part. That's really the only part of the movie I kind of had an exception with. I'm like, so this guy just like cold blooded murdered like four people. You hit him in the arm, and he's like, I can't go on. Oh yeah, I'm like, how? But it worked. She got away. So he, she gets away. He ends up back in his apartment, right? For, or 
Because he hallucinates his mom, his dead mom. Yeah. Is, is that like, that's in his apartment, right? Well, the dead mother it says is in the grave. That's what I remember. The mother attacks him. Okay, yeah. So he hallucinates his dead mom coming out of the in the from the grave attacking him. But I remember he goes back to the apartment, and this is this. I like this scene too. But this is like he. Um, well, what I want to say is when he goes back to the apartment. Yeah. I didn't know because I on that scene I heard police sirens outside my house, but I thought that was I thought those were part of that scene. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I watched it with subtitles, but I didn't. I didn't see anything about sirens, and so I paused it just to make sure. And yeah, it was the sirens are outside my house, but I thought it was. I thought the cops were finally catching up to them at that point. Well, because Carolyn, because Anna escaped, so yeah, that would have been a nice touch, actually. Yeah. But the cool that's that's awesome. Those police sirens outside, and you're like, is that in the movie? Yeah. It was a really. I don't want to say cool because I mean, it was cool. The mannequins basically come to life and start like using all his weapons on him and just yeah, tear and, his head off. And I was wondering like, you know, if that was a hallucination or if that was really happening, just the way that was shot and the way oh, he yeah. was laying there, just taking it from the mannequins. Like he's like, okay, I mean, well, either way, he's just laying there like, you know, I've done all I need to do, and now I will accept my fate kind of thing. Yeah, I thought he was just laying there kind of like, well, I've, 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 done, I've done all these wrongs. This is my, my punishment for it, kind of. Yeah. But same yeah. idea, yeah. Yeah, it was, that was brutal. That might, actually, I take, I take back what I said about the lat, that other scene being gruesome. This may have been worse. Not worse, but more gruesome. Because mm-hmm. when you're talking about horror movies, you can't really say worse for gruesome because that means good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they tear them apart. I mean, they 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 annihilate them, and then uh, next morning is when the police show up at his apartment, mm-hmm. and uh, they find him dead. He had committed suicide that night, so it was a hallucination, which we find out. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know, after the seeing his dead mom, you started questioning, like, okay, is this going to be? Some is this taking another turn now, or is this going to still straight up be what they're going for? Yeah, it pretty much ends there, except in typical late set in typical 70s, 80s horror movie fashion, his eyes open right at the end. Oh, yeah, it's like I was like, wow, he managed to survive all. <laughs> well, and it's funny because like the cops walk out of the apartment mm-hmm. and his eyes open. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you walking out of the apartment, dude? Aren't you supposed to look for clues and shit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I got to tell you, this one is not a bad movie at all. No, I mean, I gave it four out of five on Letterboxd, but, you know, I mean. I, I, would, I would agree with that. I think um, I think the story was very well done. Uh, There's so much of this movie that's so just interesting in a way, like, they couldn't afford permits for New York City, so like where he blows that those that couple away with a shotgun, that was filmed with no permit in in less than an hour. And because they used like live ammo, they um like he threw the after they filmed it, they threw the gun into the trunk of another guy's car, and the guy took off with it. So like if the cops showed up, they wouldn't get busted. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Still there? Yeah, no, I'm here. It's, uh, <laughs> there's a slight earthquake in the house. Um, and I think it was actually a really solid plot line and a solid film. And like we said, the acting, the directing, all that was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the effects, I mean, Tom Savini, I mean, yeah, back then he was still kind of, he, he was, I think he had done Dawn of the Dead prior and, and Death Dream prior to this movie. Those were a few movies he had done before, but, you know, even then he was, you know, his, little, he was still at the top of his game, you know, back then he would, you know, he would only improve, you know, in, in movies such as Day of the Dead. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they had that feel to them where they, they fit with the movie like the, the, the budget right and but they were so convincing enough oh, yeah That's yeah no I, they were they were good they were they were solid practical effects i mean i and the budget was three hundred fifty thousand dollars and talk about a re- return 10 million at the box office yeah yeah i mean it's pretty impressive for what they did it, it's funny because uh lustig one of the notes in wikipedia that i saw is that he uh he was he originally directed porn films Oh yeah, and the money he used, the profits from his 1977 film Hot Honey, he used to make Maniac. Uh, it was filmed from October 21st, 1979, to January 18th, 1980, which seems a little longer than I thought. But since they couldn't afford city permits, like I said, they um, it was all guerrilla like filming, and it show it it shows, but it works out great. Like it matches the tone of the movie, perfect. Mm-hmm. Film was banned in some areas actually too because of the gore in it. Right, right. Uh, not, at the time, not necessarily a video nasty, but yeah, banned in. It says here. no. It was listed as it was listed as video nasty in some areas. Oh, okay. Which which is really a whole, which is really a stupid title. Oh yeah, now that I think about it, it is. Like, who thought of that? <laughs> they weren't prosecuted for obscenity or or oh no, you're right. It wasn't officially listed as video nasty. Oh, okay but it was seized by various police forces across greater Manchester and Lancashire during the video nasty panic. So that would be, I'm assuming that's in, in England. Yeah. It actually got a remake that I've never seen. Have you seen the 2012 I, remake with Elijah Wood? I don't know if it's any good, but maybe I'll check it out at some point. And there was a se- there was a sequel, but it wasn't really a sequel. It was like a short, like, yeah. Cause Joe Spinell had, a. Uh... He had passed away prior to make prior to a feature length version of it. Yeah, like this movie was a really straightforward movie. It was good. It was a good watch. It definitely, you know, it was nominated for Saturn Award, which is really strange to me. But I guess back then the the Saturn Award was not only for science fiction, but for best, but for low budget films too. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I guess it was for science fiction and fantasy and horror. So yeah, I guess this fits right under that umbrella. Yeah. I've never seen the sequel. I don't know if I could see Elijah Wood playing uh, the character. Yeah, me neither. I'm not. I haven't seen him in too many. Yeah, I mean, I, myself, I, but you know, I, I like Elijah Wood. Wasn't he in Green Street Hooligans? Maybe that might have been the roughest uh, character he played, and that was he was a rich kid that got involved with like soccer gangs. Hmm, not really sure. I'm not. I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, it was like uh, I, I I used to acquire a lot of films on the internet just because that was one of them. Oh, okay. let's see. IMDb gives has six point five out of ten for the rating. I, I would give it a little higher myself, but that's that's better than I thought it would be on there. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 39% for the tomato meter, but audience scores 58%, 58%. So I would have given it a little higher there too. I think, I think this is a movie that, God, I hate to say I would like to see it redone now because it's already been redone. But mm-hmm. if you had the right director doing this, I could see Rob Zombie doing this one. I just don't know if it would be good. Yeah. Like, I could see him having the, like, the will to do it and having ideas for it, but I just don't know any directors off the top of my head, but I, I'd like to see a, a new version of it. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean... The thing is, you need an, you need a lead actor that's... Well, I mean, it looks like Spinell, kind of. That same mm-hmm. style look, you know? And actually, maybe not make it a modern version. Make it set back in the day. Just, you know, a little bit higher budget and stuff. Right, right. So I got to ask, how old were you when you saw this movie? I mean, well, I'd, I'd watched it yesterday. That was the first time I had seen it. So okay. I, I'd known about it for a while. It's just I, I you know, bought the, the Blu-ray back in November. I figured, you know, I've been wanting to you know, possibly talk about this one later on down the line. And I've been thinking about, well, I'll send John a list of movies, some that, you know, I, I have or that I know are available through streaming services. And, you know, and, and I wanted to see this one because I'm not a big slasher fan, but, you know, as I said, I, I had heard about this one, so it interested me and, yeah, this one this one falls under that slasher category, and I think it's almost unfairly in a way. I see what you're saying, yeah. Because, I mean, there's more to it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like Friday the 13th, right? Like, I love Friday the 13th, and and I love the original um, Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff, but those are straight-up slasher films. Well, I guess Nightmare on Elm Street probably has more storyline. You know, there's a, there's a whole genre that after a first or second movie, it just became about like, okay, who had sex in the movie first? That's who dies. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, senseless killing. This definitely was had a mental aspect to it that I was not expecting it to have. Mm-hmm. And I watched it probably a day or two after you suggested it. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching it, it dawned on me that I've seen this before, but I don't even remember it. Because uh-huh. my dad used to watch horror movies. So my parents were divorced when I was a kid, right? And my dad would rent horror and sci-fi movies all the time. So I was like six, mm-hmm. seven. And it's like, oh, hey, let's watch DEFCON 5. Or, oh, hey, Friday th- let's watch Friday the 13th. So now part of the reason I'm stuck in the B-movie genre and stuck in the 80s when it comes to this stuff is because after watching them so long through the 80s and 90s, nothing that has come, has come out for the most part has really impressed me. Right, I mean, because my dad was, I mean, he's really into sci-fi, so that was kind of how I got into them was, you know, I had watched a few with him, or I, I had, he would have, like, the DVD set, and, I would, mm-hmm. and I, there was a movie I had heard about, like, I think it was, you know, Slipstream, or A Braxis Guardian the Universe, or yeah. those kinds of movies that he had bought that he knew were, were sci-fi, you know, God knows if he ever actually watched them, but I did. Because, as I was saying, he his interest in sci-fi was something I kind of latched on to, but I kind of still took it a step further with getting more into horror and action and yeah, yeah, those kinds of movies. Yeah. But 
the slasher flicks of the late seventies were very unique because they were very realistic and they were very um, raw. Mm-hmm. You know, and, oh yeah. And oh, maniac yeah. maniac has that feel to it. Stuff now that comes out, like a lot of it to me is just like trying to outdo the gore level and not worrying about the substance of the movie. Right. Right. And there's been a few over the years, like um, Event Horizon, I think was fantastic. The 13th Ghost or 13th, 13 Ghosts, which are, whatever the title is, with Monk, the guy that played Monk, Tony Shalhoub in it. I thought, right. that was, I thought that was a really good flick. I've seen the William Castle 13 Ghosts. I didn't see the, the other, the, the uh, was it 90s, I think? Matthew Lillard was in that? Yeah, movie? Lillard was in it too. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it was a cool movie. I, I, I enjoyed it. But like recently, yeah, you know, I might see something and go, wow, that's great. And then we watch something like this where I'm like, wow, this had no budget and look what they pulled off. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, no, this good, good choice, man. Damn good choice. I appreciate yeah. it. And it's funny because C.A. Rosenberg, one movie to its credit, his credit or their credit, her credit. I don't even know if it's a he or she or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maniac. That's it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And you, there's not even a Wikipedia page for the person. So you almost wonder if it was just a pen name somebody else used. Cause there was a lot yeah. of that back in the day. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Or uh, like the cinematographer, Robert Lindsay, not a thing, not a Wikipedia page for him. No Chataway did the music, and he had done some other work with Lustig. He did, he did the uh, Vigilante, and he did uh, it's like Maniac Cop. You know the first two Maniac Cop movies. Uh, he's done. He worked on Silver Bullet. I haven't seen that in a long time. That's uh, the kid in the wheelchair with the werewolf stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess I guess that's really it for the. The synopsis in the show. I mean, if you like, if you like slasher movies that have a little bit more uh, going on than just killing, I'd say Maniac's the way to go. I I think so too. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a fine movie, and uh, I really, I do, I did really like it. I was impressed. So that's it for us on this one. I'm John, and James, and it's James, and we'll be back sh- soon with another one.